the city manager, he now uh, has sort of a tagline where he says, the city of Worcester is the second largest city in New England and we need to act like it. Welcome back to Gateways, a podcast about the people, places, and possibilities of our regional cities. I'm Ben Foreman, Director of the Gateway Cities Innovation Institute at Mass Inc. And I'm Dr. Tracy Corley, the Transit-Oriented Development Fellow at Mass Inc. Today we're talking about Worcester. I was so excited to be there this past Tuesday uh, talking with a couple of different people. It seems that they have a lot that is happening as people are looking at Worcester as an opportunity for a place to live at a much lower cost than living in downtown Boston. All right, well, let's get into it here, Tracy. I got a page full of notes. Uh, I listened to your conversations in the car today on my way back from Worcester, actually, incidentally. Um, And it seems like you had a lot of interesting discussions, beginning with the conversation about master planning. Yes, it seems that uh, the city of Worcester is actually uh, starting to do some master planning, as well as has hired a new uh, transportation planner, which is pretty exciting. I know that a lot of gateway cities... Not, don't necessarily have city planners on staff or have transportation planners, but planning is a very important part of uh, creating transit-oriented development in our gateway cities. Yeah, two pieces there, the master plan and the city planner. I mean, transportation planner. I am. I got to say, as uh, someone who went to planning school when I heard about them doing a master plan, um, I was not excited. <laughs> Why not? What's I'm, wrong with master plans? I've always thought master plans are what you do if you really want to put a study on a shelf and point to a plan that you have. It's just it's just too <laughs> ambitious. It's too much. And, you know, a lot of cities never do them because they didn't find value in them. Um, but listening to your conversation, it seemed like there was a real need for a master plan. I think that need is really driven by the need to have connectivity and mobility today and figure out how everything threads together from a downtown to the commercial areas, to the neighborhoods. Yeah, I know. I've been out to Worcester a couple of times, and one of the things that's probably the scariest is coming off the train and out of the train station and uh, getting from the train station to anywhere. Uh, The intersections are huge, and the cars are moving very fast. There are no signals there for pedestrians. Right now, it seems that Worcester is still very car-oriented. And in order to to truly do transit-oriented development, it seems like there needs to be a little bit more um, coordination between the different folks that are there to kind of figure out how to move not just cars, but people, whether they be on foot, on their bikes, on, I don't know if we want to get into the scooter conversation right now, uh, but, you know, for multiple modes of transportation so that everything isn't quite so car and parking oriented. Yeah, when we did the research for our TOD report last year, we found that Gateway City residents were driving just as much as the residents in the surrounding communities of Gateway Cities. I think, you know, one reason for that is the transit service is really inadequate, but an even bigger reason may be the fact that the retail spaces in Gateway Cities aren't what they should be. So people are having to drive out to the suburbs to buy things. Right. And I know that uh, one of the things we talked about is just the quality of the building stock in some of our gateway cities. There's been little to incentivize kind of refurbishing some of those spaces. And so a lot of times gateway cities are losing employers because the buildings don't have the necessary technology to be able to kind of take on some of the modern needs for, you know, businesses of the 21st century. And so, you know, we need to make sure that we're doing uh, better things to kind of incentivize improving the existing building stock so that, you know, we can actually fill the retail as well as commercial spaces in our gateway cities. Yeah, I think that's what our TOD report showed first and foremost is when you look at the areas around the train stations in our gateway cities, they're functioning at maybe half of their potential. 
some of them even less than half. So if you envisioned a day when they were fully built out at their current fabric, but, but all the space there was occupied, the empty lots were built upon, you'd have a lot more people trying to get in and out of these downtowns. Um, and they were never built and designed to be served by automobiles with a single person in them. So that's why I think in a city like Worcester, that is really on the upward trajectory, there's a real urgent need to figure out how you're going to move all the people around that are soon going to be coming there uh, and maintain the great quality of life because I think our Gateway City residents have been accustomed to being able to get around in cars, but they're going to need to have multiple options in the future. Yeah, I think one of the key uh, issues that Worcester might have is not just around the TOD area, but thinking, you know, big picture across the city, which makes the sense for the master plan, uh, to think about how to connect these disconnected neighborhoods to the downtown core and to the transit centers. Yep. So those are uh, really key, important pieces about you know, pulling all of this together so and that they can get that retail space filled. And it's a complicated city, like most of our gateway cities are. You know, it's a city with seven hills, you know, so the terrain is n- not really conducive to to moving people around easily, uh, especially when it snows. So trying to figure out how you tie everything together and get people where they want to go across the city is a major challenge, I think. The plan is is one way to do it. Uh, then it comes down to can, can the community execute on a plan? It's one thing to put great ideas on paper. It's another thing to implement them. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about how, how they're approaching that in Worcester. Yeah, so uh, right now it, they, they have uh, put in place, it's actually been around for about six or seven years, their Economic Development Coordinating Council, which is, you know, they're really focused in on the implementation side, and you'll hear a little bit more about that. Uh, but if you really want to see a good example of kind of a city that has been really good about, you know, taking a plan and transforming it into, like, a r- really strong built environment, you can kind of take a look at what uh, is happening down in Brockton right now. You know, I recently wrote an op-ed about... Uh, Rob May and his seven-layer dip and the way that he has kind of spurred development in the TOD area uh, there around the uh, primary station in Brockton. Uh, But he has uh, a really great team that's been helping him uh, make sure that they have created really great incentives for developers to come in and take a look at that aging infrastructure revitalize it, or even in some cases actually tearing it down and and putting in new buildings so that they can then get the kind of uh, businesses and take advantage of some of the high-tech infrastructure that they have there in the city. Yeah. You know, I think uh, Casey's, Tracy's piece in Banker and Tradesman reads like a perfect case study in Economic Development 101, how the city put all that together, weaved a complicated patchwork of policies into something that took a downtown that had no development pipeline whatsoever to speak of to a downtown like Worcester, where everybody's crawling around looking to put a building in the ground. So I, I think that's great. So and you'll hear in Tracy's conversation how Worcester put together a coordinating council to provide that level of leadership to put things in place. And Brockton, a lot of it grew out of the TDI initiative and having a partnership built behind the back of the economic development director, Rob May, to really get momentum and move things forward. Yeah, Rob and George have made a really great team, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens in Worcester now that they have a transportation planner as well as this uh, master plan and, and what kind of evolves with the Economic Development Coordinating Council. Yeah, and that's the last thing I wanted to talk about. Since you got here, Tracy, we've been talking about the role of transportation planners in gateway cities. A lot of gateway cities are just struggling to get themselves a city planner. Um, mm-hmm. But really, if you're going to be a 21st century city, you need a mobility planner 
somebody who's going to look at all the development and what's going on with an eye toward how are we going to get people from here to there. And that's, you know, a, a real professional and yeah. a key piece of the cabinet, you know, that should be sitting aside, alongside an economic development director, a housing director, you know, a, a superintendent, you know, the key yeah. officials that make cities function. Yeah, and making sure that there needs to be someone with the talent to be able to pull together the various pieces of what's needed for cars, for bikes, for buses, for pedestrians, and looking at state-level uh, transit options like the fact that Worcester has a commuter rail station and how to connect that up with the rest of the city through its RTA. I really think you need somebody with that kind of competency to provide for the contingencies that need to be in place when you plan. Because let's face it, the reality is cities are planning amidst unbelievable uncertainty. And the state's talking a big game in terms of what's possible with commuter rail mm-hmm. and turning it into regional rail with you know, much greater frequency. I don't know if you put all your eggs in that basket if you're a city yeah. that's trying to make deals happen today. How much can you promise in terms of what kinds of services are going to be provided? We also have a lot of uncertainty in the market. I mean, who knows what mobility is going to look like with automated vehicles and so forth. So having a professional who's thinking about this every day, trying to plan for the optimal, but put in place contingencies, uh, you know, in case we can't achieve that or it takes longer to achieve that is really important. Yeah, the contingencies and flexibility. So, you know, kind of to recognize that whatever you put in place today might not be what the city needs 20 years from now. So, you know, what happens in 20 years? You know, if you look at Worcester, they actually took a mall parking deck and knocked it down as well as the mall itself in order to be able to open up the TOD area so that it becomes a much more usable, friendly, livable space. Uh, But, you know, you don't don't have to go in and kind of demo what you've already got. You know, how do you reuse and and repurpose what you have, which is how it helps you keep your costs low, but also helps you be a little bit more flexible. When things do change in the market, when there are new opportunities available from the state, you're ready to respond as a city. That's right. Well, enough of our nonsense. Maybe we should talk to the people (laughs) who are really making it happen. Right. So, yeah. So I went to uh, Worcester and I started out with a conversation with Roberta Bryan and Craig Blaze of the Worcester Business Development Corporation. I asked Roberta about the Economic Development Coordinating Council. So the um, council was born out of necessity, as you probably know, and this is not unique to the city of Worcester. There's a lot of organizations who compete here for funding, either in state tax credits or federal funding. or or even city, local funding, Um, and the council was born of the need to really um, start to speak with one voice to those funding uh, sources and to really get on the same page uh, with with the um, city and these organizations to prioritize and really think through um, what these applications are meant to do, whether or not the city uh, is in support uh, of those applications, and really what it's um, developed into is a lot of um, land use planning, a lot of discussions about where development should be and where it shouldn't be, Um, and it's really opened up um, a lot of conversations that had not been happening. I think Worcester has been um, fortunate um, to have positioned itself well for development, and um, Craig can certainly speak to the days of Worcester when um, everyone was welcomed in any kind of development in any area was welcomed uh, because there was such a need and now we have the opportunity to really plan for that um, in a better way. Excellent. Well, yeah, we definitely want to encourage more planning. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, and to out. Roberta's point, you know, um, back 20 years ago when we were doing developer, we would 
we development, we would actually beg um, mm. developers to take a look at a parcel, throw all of the incentives at it, and whatever you could uh, you could get there or uh, develop there. You know, we would be satisfied with if we if we could make it work. Now, the um, as the economy has improved and has and and Worcester's renaissance, if you will, is 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 occurring. Um, we have competing developers and investors now looking at sites. So this coordinating council, another function of it, is to actually close the door on a weekly basis and debate uh, what should go there, come out with a unified voice between the business community and the city government, um, and then uh, develop the checklists of what has to get done. So for example, a lot of times the city manager, the chief executive officer of the city will ask us to come in and support a project at the planning board um, to advocate um, state resources to, to come forward by way of a grant or tax credits or historic credits um, around a specific project. And we're all working towards that to get that done, to welcome the, uh, the private developer here, to welcome the investor here with a unified voice. Uh, we're working on a major national chain high-end restaurant right now. We were all asked to show up um, when they visited here with the local property owner. Uh, we all showed up um, on a coordinated, uh, and it was interesting. It was like we had uh, we finished each other's sentences. We're getting good at it, um, is telling the story uh, for why they should locate here um, in the city. Um, and I think it's starting to show uh, real meaningful results. Um, the density is up uh, in the downtown. Um, just the fact that we're having these debates on parcels that are left um, is a good sign um, for the city and the economy here in, in Central Mass. Excellent. So, so you keep talking about we. Who is mm -hmm. we, you know? Tell me more about the yeah, structure so of the council. Yeah, so the stakeholders yeah. uh, on the council that make up the council, obviously um, uh, this was designed by design that the chair, the chief executive officer of the city, needs to be the chair of the council. It has to be set by the tone of the, of the city government. Um, it also is made up of the president of the Worcester Business uh, Development Corporation, which myself, the president of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Tim Murray, um, the president of the Mass Biomedical Initiative, uh, John Weaver, and then Roberta sits on it as vice president of the WBDC, and other um, entities bring their staff um, to uh, to it's also it also uh, has the chief development officer mm -hmm. for the city, city. that serves, um, and so those positions are critical. We then have a larger group that meets quarterly, so we bring uh, a broader group in that includes the congressman's office, um, the college consortium of the 10 colleges that are here in, in the city are represented um, at that, and then our respective board chairs uh, for uh, the WBDC and the chamber also sit on the larger group along with the mayor of the city. So it uh, so that we're all on the same page um, and we give an update. So the sort of day-to-day, week-to-week technical stuff gets hammered out on Friday mornings. And then uh, once a quarter, the larger group convenes to get an update on where we are in the project to make sure that all the boards are coordinating uh, and understand why we're bringing things to our respective boards and how, that, how the support gets... Um, institutionalized, if you will, amongst all the agencies um, within the city uh, so that we can move forward with a unified unified voice. And I think 
I think it's worked relatively well. Yeah. And so how long has the uh, uh, council been around and why did it decide to kind of form? I mean, what was the, really the impetus for making that happen? I think we're in our sixth or seventh year at this point. Seventh year. Um, There there was sort of a watershed moment when our local congressman uh, gave a fiery speech at the Chamber of Commerce's annual meeting where about 500 of us had gathered for the annual meeting, essentially saying that he was holding up the white flag, saying that he can't take it anymore. Every group is coming in in an uncoordinated way asking for assistance from the federal government from various programs and support of the congressman on various projects and he likened it to his son's soccer team that um, would chase the ball over to one side and everyone would run that way and chase the ball up the (laughs) field the other way and there really wasn't this coordinated uh, effort uh, that that revolved around that coordinated ask from a unified front and he he begged the business community to work with the leaders of local government, state and federal, um, to have a much more coordinated effort um, as we continue to develop the city. So, Roberta, can you tell us a little bit more about the impact that the council has had so far on the city? Sure. Um, I think one of the one of the more visible projects really was the um, change, the renovation of the mall um, to into a really truly mixed use development, and through the years. Um, as even as uh, people's uh, positions and careers evolved, Tim Murray from lieutenant governor, uh, even before that, you know, as mayor and then as uh, president of the Chamber of Commerce, we all sort of stuck to the idea of the mall needed to come down, you know, portions of the mall needed to come down, certain streets needed to be opened, uh, parcels needed to be um, made available for development, and really a chance needed um, to be. Um, to be allowed uh, for this development. The city contributed with $90 million in public funding, um, which created the opportunities um, and created the development parcels. And then the you know Worcester Business Development Corporation and MBI, you know, every week would sit at the tables and would would think about who should the tenants be, who would a good property owner be, how do we continue to spur development. So that um, that I think is a very visible uh, project. We have another um, large brownfields project that we're working on in the northern section of the city um, that has gotten a lot of attention from the EDCC. It's a retention project for the company um, that's currently in that um, space on that land. Uh, it's also a brownfields project um, which requires funding you know, from federal and state um, and it requires local support for potentially rezoning and land use, um, some traffic uh, improvements and infrastructure changes. Um, so that uh, has, I would say, pr- progressed as far as it has because we're all talking about the needs of that development in the same room. We're, we're all aware of the timing, the schedule, um, and we've also stepped back in certain instances. We've all been honest about you know when certain projects are ready. Mm-hmm. The um, baseball has risen to the top. It's going to be a great thing for Central Mass and particularly Worcester, but it's required a lot of assistance. And, and collectively, we've all stepped back and said, this will be um, great for the city, so let's work around um, that, those funding needs. Um, and no one, has to, no one has to stop. No one has to move to the side. But we just have to reprioritize and, re- and really coordinate. So I think those are two really visible projects that the EDCC has their fingerprints on. Which is excellent. I know that I was here, I uh, must have been back in 
January, it was very cold, whatever it was, I went to McGurthy and we actually did a little walk from uh, Union Station up Front Street through what would have been the mall, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so it was great to kind of see that yeah. uh, open up. So I think that, you know, that has uh, is, a, is a very vibrant area. Um, today I got the opportunity to walk in the other direction here up Shrewsbury mm-hmm. Street, which seems to be Restaurant Row, and had an amazing lunch this afternoon. Nice. Uh, and so, you know, it, I look forward to seeing, you know, kind of what the next steps are and what other additional development occurs, you know, to kind of bring this area here that's in the transit-oriented development uh, zone together, mm-hmm. but also in other areas around the city of Worcester. So is there anything else that you would like to I would just uh, sort of in conclusion, I think the city manager he now uh, has sort of a tagline where he says, the city of Worcester is the second largest city in New England and we need to act like it. Mm. That is an excellent way to kind of close out because <laughs> I'm off to see the mayor and the manager next. Great. So stay tuned, people. <laughs> I also sat down with Worcester's Mayor Joe Petty as well as Jake Sanders from the manager's office. I asked the mayor about their newly developed master plan. That's correct. Um, I think Jake is probably involved with that a little bit, but since (laughs) we haven't had a master plan, as Jake was saying before, since 1987, and looking at uh, one of the big issues that we need to solve too as part of the master plan is also transportation and and how people are going to get around in the future, which which Mm -hmm. will cause, uh, which will need investment to do yeah. that, and yeah. we went to the state and federal government really to tap into that, but uh, yeah. what do you think, Jake? What else you got? Yeah, no, we continue to work to better connect the city that we have, you know, Worcester's known for its beautiful neighborhoods uh, yeah. and a now resurgent downtown that is still, you know, building back uh, and making sense of how people are getting downtown from the neighborhoods, from the beautiful homes we have throughout the city. Uh, and, and just something that, having a master plan that helps to figure out exactly what those key corridors are for vehicular traffic or bicycle traffic or pedestrian. And um, you know, it's gonna be an important exercise as we develop the city moving forward. Yeah, make sure we have traffic flow. One of the biggest complaints is they hit the red light every 20, 30 feet. <laughs> right, and we, yeah. didn't, and, uh, we did hire a transportation planner. Okay. Uh, they came on board about a few months back. So uh, they're doing the analysis of Kelly Square where the ballpark is going now. So uh, now they're going to help those businesses yeah, <laughs> down so. there to uh, make sure people mm-hmm. can still find them and still find parking. Right. And that's another issue, too, that's going to be yeah. about this. going to be off-street and on-street parking will be part of this, I would mm-hmm. think. And, you know, where the people, where are people going to park you know, in, the, in the future? Well, are you going to need parking? Are you really going to need parking garages in the future if everybody's Ubering? Right. And uh, well, there's mm-hmm. a self-automated cars. So in, that, in other parts of the country, I know we have the snow, but in other parts of the country, yeah. actually not building parking garages. Or That's true. Because they're thinking they're not going to need parking garages So yeah. with the development. So. Well, you know, with transit-oriented development, we hope to spur more compact dense development around transit nodes, like you know your rail station here, so that people won't really need cars. You know, why do you need a car if you can just walk to your grocery store and then walk to the movies and you know just walk to work? That's happening now. I think college kids they want to live in cities. And yeah. they want to walk. Well, they can't afford a car, probably too, because well, they're paying the college well, bill. You know, <laughs> that's that's, and you know, and, and gas is can be expensive, oh, yeah. yeah. But you know, Worcester is the second largest city in New England. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you guys, you know, have a lot of assets and a lot of advantages here. So, yeah. 
So yeah, so you know, anything that we can do at MassLink to kind of help Although, with yep. you know, transit-oriented development would be great. Yep. So yeah, so kind of given what's happening you know, with all of that, I mean, there's a lot of energy right now, both around transportation as well as around development policies in the, in the state house. Yep. Yeah, so kind of, you know, where, where do you see some potential advantages that can help you with your master planning efforts? I don't know. What do you think? I think with development and housing development, most definitely. You know, we always struggle with, you know, um, you know, um, market rate versus, you know, affordable. Right. And some people should think it should be all market rate. Some people should have more affordable. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, how you convince the market rate people, you really need both, yeah. you know. So, exactly, uh, yeah. Real tr true transit-oriented development is mixed use and mixed income. Right. And and that's so, what yeah. we're doing, yep. So, yeah, so, and, yeah, you have really, you know, economically as well as... Uh, that's, diversity. Yeah. yeah, that's the the goal of public policy here in the city is to find balance between you know multiple stakeholders and different types of constituencies. Something that can make sense for a lot of different people, just depending on you know what we don't want to lose. Like as I mentioned, our neighborhoods. We our neighborhoods are why what makes Worcester Worcester, yeah. and to be able to provide those entertainment options and to turn downtown into a neighborhood where people can walk and you know have options for their kids and options for entertainment and options for shopping um, it's a returning there but um, interconnecting all of those different neighborhoods and making sure that there's balance in how we're developing the city and, and learning from past mistakes is going to be important moving forward excellent well, as I mentioned before, we did the walking tour with uh, Tim McGurthy back in the winter. It was like I say, it was super cold. <laughs> and so to kind of hear about what used to be, you know, here as far as this giant parking garage with the mall. Yeah, uh, yeah there's been a huge development and, and, and a really just changing character here. Um, so kind of what would you like to see next kind of happen yeah. here in your downtown area and your TDOD area? No, I think more housing, hopefully, there's in the more future housing. here in the downtown yeah. area. Yeah. And also just make it more, as Jake was saying, more walkable and more mm -hmm. uh, friendly, uh, pedestrian friendly. Okay. And also figure out on cars, where you, where, how's that traffic flow and how, where, where it goes. Okay. And are you guys planning bike paths so I can come out here with my bike? We yeah, do. we have one. Yeah, right? no. yeah. We have one from like where the college of uh, Blackstone Corridor. There's a big okay. bike. There's a big uh, bike path there. If you're interested, come nice. on up by Holy Cross College. Goes right into Rhode Island. Excellent. Well, I'll bring my yeah. bike on the train next yeah. time I come out. Okay. All right, guys, thank you so very much. Yeah, well, sadly, that's it for this episode of Gateways. I'm Ben Foreman, and I'm Dr. Tracy Corley. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next week, when we have another episode of Gateways talking about our April 8th event in New Bedford, have a great week and thank you so much for listening.